I want to get one thing straight here. Or I'm walking too. I don't work on January the 8th. Because that's Elvis's birthday. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve, and this is a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. Chris, Chris, my man, you wanna you wanna introduce the movie or do the socials first? The social medias. Fuck, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do the socials first. Uh, we got an Instagram at Analog Jones TOF. We have a Facebook group at Analog Jones Temple of Film. And you can email us, request feet pics, questions, I don't know, at uh, Analog Jones TOF at google.com, at gmail.com. I do that every time. I'm an idiot. <laughs> google.com. <laughs> <laughs> but we are watching. Jesus. 1983's DC cam. <laughs> we'll edit that oh, out. And we'll edit this. I, right you know, okay. Well, I mean, if we don't edit it, we'll explain it. We're, we're trying to change up some of the things we do so people actually will interact on our social media. Because sometimes people are good on Facebook. Some people, I mean, they just kind of disappear. Uh, so, you know, after Halloween here, this is our first episode, getting off the Halloween hangover, or, or I guess we are in the Halloween hangover. Uh, you know, trying to change it up. So we'll figure it out. And uh, Chris, before we go to who sponsors this movie, you want to try it again? What are we watching? We are watching 1983's DC Cab. There we go. That sounded professional. I mean, Thank you. someone should start donating us money. Maybe that someone is who's uh, going to read. Oh, Jesus. Fuck. I fucked it up. Wow. Um, <laughs> maybe who will donate us money is who's sponsoring this episode. Brad, read the sponsor. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We are brought to you once again by Vaping Grandma Skipper. This time, Vaping Grandma Skipper Supermarket. Woo! You ever feel like swearing at your kids in public? Yes. All the time. Well, usually that sort of behavior is frowned upon. But at Grandma Skipper's Supermarket, we encourage not only swearing at your kids, but other people's kids. Nice. Can you vape inside? Of course. Oh, yeah. So I can scream at other people's kids and vape? Sold. And you wow. can carry an open beer while you're shopping. Oh! Done! Wow, this so, place is As long be as it's fire. only Bud Light. Oh, yeah. I mean, how about, yeah, Bud Light all day, just pouring, pouring from like fountains. Maybe we're, we're, we're done with the Bud Light and the uh, Barbie jokes and back on Highlander 2 at some point. It might be. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if I drink Highlander, God damn it! Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I get if I go drinking. I always want to drink my trusty Bud Select. What real men drink? Full flavored, half the calories, zero taste. Yeah, yeah that's not good. <laughs> I gotta fit in a wedding dress soon. I gotta look into that. That's true. <laughs> Bud um, Select. You know, oh, make sure no. you get a lot of support. And the upper on the chest part. You want that. I'm more worried about the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, you can just uh, just get some some lipo. 
I'm sure that's only a few thousand dollars. You'll be the sponsors fine. like Vaping Grandma Supermarket. We've got it. Yeah, I know. They're going to be paying us out of the wazoo. Okay. Brad, you want to bring the quick facts of DC Cab? Yeah, we got directed by Joel Schumacher, who directed The Lost Boys, Batman and Robin, other movies. We screenplay by Joel Schumacher. Story by Topper Carew and Joey, Joel Schumacher. Uh, distributed by Universal Pictures on a budget of $8 million, box office only $16 million, tomato meter score of 18%, and an audience score of 53%. Yeah, I guarantee you that $16 million that they made in the box office was mostly Mr. T fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mr. T was very popular at this time. Yeah, I, I wonder if we should paint the picture. Like I was, I was, you know, barely alive at the time, but it's kind of unreal how big he was at a certain point in the 80s because you had him in i think rocky 3 came out right around the same time correct yeah he was coming off in rocky 3 at this time i think the a team was going and pretty much everything he touched turned to gold yeah i'm i'm actually wondering like how they got him on this movie was it just i mean because rocky i guess rocky 3 had just come out the year before so they probably already recorded this film i i really wonder if the only reason this film got a theatrical release and it wasn't shelved or anything like that is because it's just Mr. T. Uh, I mean, you had what WrestleMania. Oh, that's right. That was 84. I think it was 84. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. And he had an anime, he had an animated cartoon for a while too. Right. Yeah. I remember that one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too young for Mr. T. Oh, yeah, Mr. T cereal. And you know, one thing I never noticed him no. ever swearing in a movie You know, he's always like tough, but he never swears. I, I don't remember him ever swearing. You know, I believe, I mean, he had a, like a big thing too, that he would only appear as a good guy. I, yeah, I think I, Rocky three was one of the very few movies where he was the villain. He always wanted to be betrayed as a very positive uh, black role model. And even in this movie, you can notice, you know, like he's trying to save his niece from drugs on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think he very much had a stipulation. He's like, I'm only going to play positive role models. I will say I didn't. I didn't grow up with Mr. T, but every time I've seen him, I've liked him and everything he's done. Interviews, everything. He's always super nice. Yeah, he's super generous, super nice. The only people who don't like him are like his former neighbors from Lake Forest, Illinois. He used to live up there and he cut down all of his trees and his property and like pissed a bunch of people off. Oh, really? After he got famous? This is after he was famous. Yeah, because I knew he was he was a body a bodyguard for a long time. He said he wore the chains and everything that, you know, up here bigger. To intimidate people more. Well, it worked because he's very intimidating. They did like a short reality show with him that didn't really air. They talked about it and it would have been one of the first reality shows ever. Well, I, I know he spends a lot of time, uh, you know, going to hospitals, seeing kids, going out on the streets, at least back in the day. There's stories that like when he was shooting this film, he would go into certain neighborhoods that they advised him not to. And he's like, nah, Mr. T goes down there. He's going to talk to those people. He's going to cheer him up. I was like, wow, this, this guy is so much different. Cause I did a little bit of reading on him. He's, you know, donates a lot of money to charities or starts charities and does events for free. He's, he's quite a guy. Yeah. I think after nine 11, he sold all of his gold and all of his chains for, and give the money to, um, you know, the fa- the families of victims and things of that nature. Jesus. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, it's pretty spectacular. Uh, he's also very entertaining in this film. 
that yes. we watched. And uh, who starred in that film, Brad? All right. So from the top here, we got Max Gale, who I've not seen him in a whole lot of things. I, I thought he was great, though. Harold Oswalt, the owner of BC Cab. And if you want to paint a, paint a mental picture, uh, think of Burt Kreischer, the comedian. He kind of looks like Burt Kreischer today. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. All right. Yeah. Then we got Adam Baldwin um, as Albert Hockenberry, a young man looking to become a cabbie. Later on, he's animal lover and full metal jacket. That's a good one. Aforementioned mm-hmm. Mr. T is Samson, a big cabbie looking out for his niece, coming off of Rocky Three, super popular at this time. We got Charlie Barnett as Tyrone Bywater, a cabbie who isn't what he seems. I thought he did great. Oh, yeah. Tyrone was mm-hmm. a shockingly good character. Then we get Gary Busey as Dell, an animal leading the party, and probably has every STD known to man, and <laughs> is almost certainly insane. Yeah, his character is nuts. I don't know if that's his character. I think this is the part of Gary Busey's career when like his characters and him kind of blurred together and it became a problem. <laughs> I'm just I'm just starting to put that together. It's probably about right right about now. Yeah, I, I can see him being the kind of guy who has a couple beers and tells a racist joke thinking it's funny. And it's like, oh, you're yeah. a little too far there, Gary. Got Gloria Gifford as Miss Floyd, the new dispatcher. Got Marsha Warfield as Ophelia, a cabbie who keeps getting robbed. And she's been in other things, too. I can't quite remember. Uh, yeah, she's a night. Cor- she's known for night. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she was the uh, bailiff. Is that what they're called? Where they're kind of like security guards, but also not. I don't know what a- I don't get it. Yeah, something like that. They've got Bill Mars, Baba, a musician running for running from the big fear. He's done a lot since then. A bunch of movies, um, real time on HBO. We got Paul Rodriguez as Xavier, the ladies' man of the group, maybe a little pervy. We got Whitman Mayo as Mr. Rhythm, a homeless man full of rhythm and wisdom. And the Barbarian Brothers, Peter as Buddy, a lovable meathead, and David as Buzzy, another lovable meathead. Yeah, and with beards. All these characters are all the characters are great. Yeah, I wish we would have seen the barbarians and more. I love those guys. Mm-hmm. I I would have liked like a sequel or something. Every character was fun. To DC Cab, yeah, just starring yeah. them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, this movie. Before we get into it, I was shocked putting this on. Like about ten minutes in, I go, "Oh no, what have we put in?" Because we had our first like blatantly racist joke. We'll talk about. And I was like, oh, what have we done? Because we should explain this. The reason we're watching DC Cab and the next four movies is because we're doing Listener Submitted Month. And this one was a very quick Listener Submitted. I didn't even have to write it on the notes, remember. He just said, hey, guys, I listen to you every once in a while. It was, you know, blah, blah, blah. You guys are a lot of fun. Uh, here's a weird movie that I watched way back in the day and I hear no one talk about it. It's DC Cab with Mr. T in it and Gary Busey, one of your favorites. That's the email. And it kind of just got put on the pile because Matt, when he was on the show back in the day, we're like, neither of us had seen it. We didn't really know if we wanted to head off into comedies because comedies can be sometimes tough to talk about. This has been sitting there that long. Uh, since like, I want to say 2000. 20 it's because he said i listen to you once in a while yeah. you're like fuck yeah. you buddy <laughs> no i mean the real reason is i honestly because we just really didn't want to do comedies and neither of us had seen this neither of us owned it and it kind of got put to the side we'll think about it and uh eventually you know we got to hear let's let's pull this out and i'm really glad we did i'm really glad we got the request we never would have picked something like this and it's kind of cool to 
just experienced something that is I never knew existed. You ended up finding a copy, didn't you? I did. I owned a copy of it in a box. Yeah, that's what I mean. I know this is not a visual podcast here, but I, I've got the cover. It is basically 75% Mr. T holding uh, a broken door off of a DC cab. And then all the characters below, it's like a yellow cover. Uh, and then, of course, the late or the early 80s, mid 80s, like where they had no paragraphs on the back. It's just one huge paragraph of just nonsense. <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah, I don't know how to use punctuation. I mean, the description is nonsense and so is the movie, but that's part of the fun and the appeal of it. So, well, let's pull up the trailer here. It's great to do a comedy. And, you know, if I saw that in the movie, not in the movie, but if I saw that at the, the rental place with Mr. T at there holding a broken off door to a cab, I'd be definitely interested in renting it. So I was wondering if I would be interested in actually uh, renting it if I saw that, because I, I just probably not. I mean, I was kind of like Chris. Uh, I wasn't really something I was. I wasn't a huge Mr. T fan because I never watched the A team as a kid. I, I watched a little bit into the 90s, like later into high school, but kind of just wasn't for me for some reason. I don't know why. And uh, as an adult, you put it in a box. That's true. So I I had a bunch of comedies, rom coms and random comedies, and I don't really display them. And when we were talking about doing this, I was like, I'm going to look and see if I happen to have DC cab and a couple of the other ones that we have listeners submitted. I, I could not believe it. I got to the bottom of the box and there it was. Nice. I was like, holy shit. And then I sent it to you guys. And I, I, I really wonder how well that uh, <laughs> copy looked. Was it, was the, did you guys watch it on mine? I, I downloaded it on my phone and couldn't figure out how to stream it. So I paid the three bucks because I, ah. I wanted to sit on my couch with my dog. Okay, I get it. How about you, Brad? Yeah, and I forgot. I, I, I let the window <laughs> pass, and then I had, like, family stuff going on, so then I watched it on, like, Prime or something like that. Oh, okay. Speaking of family stuff, how was your guys' Halloween? We we skimmed right through that since we messed up uh, our our intro. Uh, it was a lot of fun. This was uh, Miles dressed up as a dinosaur, even though it nice. was an alligator, but let's not tell him. <laughs> he doesn't know. Yeah, he picked out the costume. He's like, dinosaur. I'm like, yep, sure is, buddy. <laughs> uh, Winnie wore two costumes. She was Winnie the Pooh, naturally. And actually, she wore a pumpkin costume because we're getting through all the costumes that were donated to us. And then she also was Gizmo, like Miles was last year. She, she was kind of like a Taylor Swift concert, just going through all the costumes. Because <laughs> we love Taylor Swift here at Analog Jones. Big Swifties. Right, Google? Well, I've seen her live. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't pass up a, a ticket to go see her. All right, here we go. Oh. DC Cavs trailer. I hear one of Taylor Swift's favorite Mr. T movies. Washington, D.C. Seat of the nation. Served by the dedicated men and women of DC Cavs. We're the worst company in town, and we know it. Where to, baby? Nowhere with you. You ain't got no company. No, you have fine. an asylum. Pleased to meet you, Miss Oswald. They had enough class. How do you do? My cow made no motel. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're a pitiful specimen of manhood. Enough style. Just as I suspected. Look at this one. It isn't fit for Caucasians. So where y'all going? What it look like? Enough integrity. 
You charge Mr. and Mrs. Tomatsu $195. They had a lot of luggage. Enough spirit <laughs> to drive a whole city crazy. You don't have to shut us this down. This company is closed, pending further investigation. But when it looked like their number was up, that's when they really got down. Make an investment in DC Cab. Are you saying that we'd be like, like partners? If I wanted responsibility, I'd have been a damn sex surrogate. We just might make something of ourselves. Well, not actually do anywhere for a few years. They prove that anybody can be somebody if they're ready to reach for a big enough dream. And I ain't never going back to being what I was before. Never! So put your life in the hands of Adam Baldwin, Charlie Barnett, Irene Cara, Max Gale, Bill Maher, Tough to be a man, baby. Paul Rodriguez. Mr. T. And Gary Busey. It's everything you always wanted in a cab company. And less. DC Cab. Wow, what a trailer. <laughs> I'm glad they cut it where they did, because that was right before the super racist uh, joke came up. So, yeah. All right. Um, so I'm going to do we're going to do a little bit different on this instead of going like just, you know, kind of commentary on scene by scene. Uh, I'm going to try to explain this the overall story and then we'll just bring up scenes. So we have a cab company that really can't get their shit together. All of them want to quit. We have a bunch of colorful characters, including Mr. T, Gary Busey, uh, Tyrone, uh, Miss Floyd. And basically, they all just want to have this job and then find something better. And then we get a visit from Albert Hockenberry, who's just like this young, excited kid who wants to be part of the cab company. And the owner of the cab company, which is Harold, uh, takes him in with his wife, and him and his wife are on the rocks, kind of. And uh, he wants to get his cabbie license. The cab drivers almost get shut down, but he donates money to them to get their cabs uh, cleaned up, painted. And then we also get a really weird uh, kidnapping story that comes in, and then they save the day. Uh, that's basically the story. It's It's an odd, structured film. I will say... The first third of the film is introducing all the characters. This feels like a TV series because the second part of the film is a weird violin side story where they find someone loses a violin in their cab and they get $10,000 for finding it. And then the third act just goes, oh, by the way, we're going to introduce a kidnapping plot line where two rich kids get kidnapped and so does the young kid, Adam Baldwin's character, Albert. And then the cabbies have to join forces and go save them. Very odd structure. Yeah, I thought it, it, it felt like two movies. Or a TV series. Yeah, I mean, the violin could be how they 
rebounce. So I was like, that makes sense for that zany one. So I've seen this. Really? Yeah. I always, you, what was that cab show that played on like Nick at night? Uh, uh there was a cab show on Nick at night. I did not know Something, that. I mean, on an old cab show, my grandparents watched it. Was it called taxi? Yep. Taxi. Oh, so I thought this was a taxi movie my whole life. And I didn't realize I've seen it until like you, we've watched stuff and it like has flashbacks. I was little. So hmm. I was, I was born in 85. This came out in 83. Yeah. But I don't remember the, the last part at all. That's insane. I just remember crazy cabs and people yelling at each other and Mr. T. Yeah. I'm just wondering because this is so young in Joel Schumacher's career and he wrote the screenplay for this. It almost feels like he didn't quite know what the main antagonist. He did know what the main antagonist was, and that was the guy trying to shut down the cab company and the Emerald Cab Company, which is the good cab company that can pick people up from the airport and they pay off the cops. They have the license. So we have that, but he didn't quite know how to connect it because he gets rid of that character. I want to say the, the guy trying to shut him down about an hour, hour, 10 minutes in, and he's still got like 20, 25 minutes of this film. So he's like, I don't know, a kidnapping. Yeah, like he throws him off the balcony. Yeah, it's really odd, but I, I guess we'll just start explaining these characters and once it makes them so interesting. And Max Gale being the guy who was Albert's. So Max Gale was Albert's dad's friend. And Albert looked up to Max Gale and so does his father because he's like, you got to be just like Max. He went out. Or I'm sorry. You got to be like Harold. He went out and started his own cab company. And Albert grew up listening to his dad say this and his dad happens to die. So he just picks up everything and goes to D.C. to work for Harold and his cab company. So you get this fresh faced kid, the fish out of water, and we're basically him experiencing all these cabbies and their crazy stories yeah, crazy zany cabbies yeah and so you know albert or harold the owner of it you know he's balding he, he just likes to drink some beer owns a flamethrower from vietnam and he's got a wife that's pretty pissed off who probably thought he'd you know be a richer man at this point but he can barely keep these cabs on the road and can barely control these ridiculous people because they're actually really bad at their job Yeah. <laughs> Andy never leaves her a beer. That too. I mean, I, I can understand her frustration of, you know, putting up with all this bullshit because she works at the cab companies and, and these cabbies suck for the most part. I think the only good one is, well, yeah, I would say Miss Floyd's probably the only good one. I mean, maybe Baba, the musician played by Bill Maher. I mean, he doesn't seem to get into much trouble. And Paul Rodriguez. He, he pulled over on the side of the road and got in a protest and danced around and yelled at the White House being empty. I don't I don't think he's a good cabbie. Yeah. Well, well, his top priority, you know. Mr. T seemed fine, though. Yeah, Mr. T seemed like a good one, yeah. If he's going around yelling at people all day long. He's not really cabbing so much. Yeah, he could be doing that. I think Paul Rodriguez... Uh, fooled around too much trying to get the ladies, but I, I think he was his heart was in the right place, you know. If your duty was great, so Mr. T is the big cabbie, you know, looking out for his niece, yelling at the drug dealers in the DC neighborhood. We've got Tyrone, which I'll say for last, that is a very complex character in a silly movie like this. So, 
Uh, we got Gary Busey, Dell, which, you know, I know we've already heard these, but he's he's just a party animal. He doesn't give a shit about saving money. And he's only like going along with these cabbies to like rebuild DC cab because he's like, what else the fuck am I going to do? Yeah, there's there's a part where he's drunk in the bathroom laying on the floor and they're like, are you all right? And he's like, yep, just stretching my back. Yeah. I mean, he also this is the character that like, I don't know, uh, about 18 minutes in, I wrote down, we got boobs. And not only did we get one pair of boobs, we got enough boobs for the whole movie because this is the only yeah. boob parts. And they walk into a strip club and it's boob, 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 boob. And these are a lot of these. Except the first boobs, the rest of these are like natural. These are like some classic 80s boobs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, think that, I think that was a good touch for the movie, given the ride-alongs. You get kind of get character development with each one of these cab drivers, too. With the, each ride-along, they're all different. And so they were all, yeah. they were all enlightening, yeah. I think that paired with the intro of the shenanigans of everybody really sets how everybody is. I mean, Gary Busey's character walks right into a strip club and rips the money that that stripper owes the cabbie right out of her G-string and then rips the whole G-string off and she comes barreling out in the street, full bush and all, just like, give me back my money. Right before that, his, his joke is like the hard R. That's when you got to take some of these movies and you're like, oof, oof, 83. Oh, did he say the R word? Well, yeah, he's yeah, it, yeah, hard he R. dropped the hard R too, yeah, so... Oh, wow. I'm surprised. he Did he drop any uh, N-bombs? Yep. That's yeah, the hard R. Yeah. Oh, I thought you guys meant the. Oh, no. The libertard. Like, I, no. I guess that's a. Yeah. No. Oh, he did. I did not catch that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He was talking yeah. about the army and then he's like, yeah, got to be friends. Because when they get guns. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember going like, e. yeah, yeah. Well, and, and then we got Bill Maher. He's a musician who has like one of the best like speeches in this entire film where he's just like, you know, you got to run from the big fear. And and Albert's like, what's the big fear? And he's like being a cabbie the rest of your life, working for minimum wage and stuff. And I was like, damn, that was deep. Still the best way I know to fight off a little thing I like to call the big fear, death. Death. No, no, death. Death, believe me, is a little fear. The big fear, the real fear, is that hard times might squeeze you so bad you'll be driving every day of the week. It's the fear that the music you're writing or your brilliant first novel that's like a draft away from being a bestseller or your plans for law school have to wait. You see, Albert, after all that it takes, the hopes and dreams and the whole bag of tricks that you need just to walk around on the planet, well, the big fear, Albert, is that you're becoming a cab driver. I, I don't, I, I mean, I really wonder if Joel Schumacher or whomever came up with that story. That, that felt really real. You know what I mean? Like, it might not have been a cabbie they were talking about in their mind. You know, they just used this as a cabbie's storyline. But damn. Uh, and then we got, um, yeah, Mr. Rhythm, the homeless man out there who's just dropping knowledge to everyone. I like like when Albert first arrives, he's just like, don't let your dick run your life. 
<laughs> that's right. Yeah. It's like wise, wise advice. Yeah, that's very good advice for anybody. You know, surprisingly, there was only one, I think one blatantly racist joke. It just happened to come about like, I don't know, 13 minutes in where Tyrone, who's supposed to be the crazy black character, look, everybody, he's a character, sure, you know, and, and then you realize that he's a lot more than, you know, just some stereotype. Which I think is like fascinating for 1983, right? Mm-hmm. And anyway, he looks at a bunch of Asians that he had ripped off. Uh, I think they were Chinese, and then you know did the whole Asian eyes, and then you can figure out the rest as he uses a certain dialogue. Talk to him, and I was like, "Ooh, what have we picked?" Oh no! I at one point I I was enthralled with everything that was going on, and then those two parts happened, and I was like. If this continues we might just might not talk about this yeah <laughs> i know i almost text you guys i was just like um this movie might go into some bad bad shit maybe there's a reason we haven't heard about this but then it it, it dramatically changes i i would Never say does it again. no i would say about whenever they get to tyrone about 39 minutes in this movie really starts to turn because you find out that Tyrone went to college. The rollers that he always has in his hair are fake. They're in a wig. Yeah. Yeah. What a weird wig, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he says he wants he wants everybody to think he's the ignorant black guy. He's like, I yeah. want you to think I'm I'm what you think I am. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want you to know what I am. And goes on. It's a lot deeper than that. I'm just some idiot that's not going to quote it, right? All this time, you think I'm just a crazy, dumbass nigga with green rollers in his head, huh? Well, that's good. Because that's just what I want everybody to think. Get out of my cab, fool. Get out of my cab. Just like all those fools in college. Yeah, another surprise. I got myself into college. Was gonna get me a Mercedes. But I got hip to the scam, man. I showed them, dropped out, told them what they can do with their college. And now this system's got one more crazy, dumbass nigga just like it deserved. Hey, Tyrone, just stop it! Well, yeah, how he, like, figured out that college was just a big racket. Mm -hmm. And what was the point of finishing it, and... You know, he's out here on the street trying to survive and he's gotten to the point that I think he's acted crazy so long that he's actually turned himself a little crazy. Uh, I mean, full out crazy at the end in a way, but um, in a good way. And it's just kind of like fascinating to see a 1983 comedy. I I, I don't know. I don't want to sit there and say like this is so progressive for 1983. I just think it's real. Like someone had like. Like, I'm not just going to make a stupid ass comedy. I'm going to write some real shit in this. And I I just felt like that. That was really kind of deep, like certain things we got in this. Just like, whoa, fuck. I mean, Joel Schumacher is not bad. I mean, we're talking about the guy who directed uh, Batman and Robin. He's he's a real one of the best Batmans out there. And I will fight you in real life. (laughs) Oh, good luck. Good luck with that one. Uh, No, but he actually, you know, I mean, he did eight millimeter, too. I don't know if yeah. he wrote that one, but I love that movie. Oh, that's the one with the machine in it. 
Yeah, we're not going to talk about that yeah. one. There's like nothing to cover. But Nicholas, I love Nicholas Cage. I love. Uh, oh wow, never mind. I don't. Apparently, I blanked on the name of the band. I was going to say Chemical Brothers, but it is not. Come to Daddy. Oh, you're talking about like the theme of the movie, like the theme song in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny, I'm blanking completely. Well, we reviewed I that. I don't like them that much. Oh, did you guys? Yeah, man, that was a tough one. Um, I think also that was a listener submitted month too uh, that we did. And we almost pulled out of that one because I was like, I don't know, man, this is this is some pretty mm-hmm. rough stuff. But it was it was a pretty fascinating uh, conversation that we had that, you know, this was Joel Schumacher coming off of Batman and Robin and how embarrassing that was, you know, in his career. And then he goes and does something like this. And you're like, that's a choice. That's a serious choice. You just, just don't go from the campy, ridiculous, over the top, almost ruined your career, Batman and Robin, to eight millimeter, which I'm sure someone advised him, like, I don't think you should do this. Apex twins. A- finally, yep. rem- finally remember. I do remember them from the late 90s. I mean, they they performed all the way up. They still do. I, mean, I don't think. They- do they? Yeah, wow. they were at Coachella and did this weird thing. And somebody was like, people were posting videos that they were freaked out by what was happening it's one dude is it that's not a band mm, it's one guy it's a solo performer oh i did not know that that's news uh yeah so uh, another big plot twist in this is when they get the violin and it turns out the the homeless guy mr rhythm had it and they turn it in but before they can his wife steals the money and divorces him, kicks him out of the house and uh, fights him off with a flamethrower. Yeah. That <laughs> what are going to do? Comes oh, back she had a flamethrower. I know. I, you know what? I was trying to figure out. I was like, I know this is 1983, but they were going to split like $10,000, like what? Eight ways. Mm-hmm. Like you're getting like, I don't know, around 1100 something dollars a piece, whatever. 1200 that now. And then he wants all the cabbies to reinvest it. They were acting like, yeah, I, I know they were. They probably had no money. You know, none of them had savings accounts or anything like that. But I mean, they're going pretty crazy. At first, I was like, oh, they're going to get all $10,000 a piece because it's a million dollar violin. That's what I thought. I thought that's what he was saying. It was $10,000 a piece. So like a hundred grand total. See, I. That would be brain? way too much money to invest in the cab company, though, because. I mean, Albert ends up turning it around and he just puts in the 6,400 whatever dollars he gets in from his dad dying. And they buy eight new vehicles. Well, they repaint them. Oh, There's some serious bond. I was work, watching eh? that too. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying. A lot they, of Bondo they, in there. They fixed them up, they repainted them, and then they got jackets. Big deal getting those jackets. They started paying off the right. They started bribing the right people, too, so they could go to the airport. Yeah. Which seems like it say. would have been a good decision to make years earlier. Well, I think they bribe people not to get robbed. They bribed the cops and other people not to get robbed. And then they bought the license. Yeah. Except for that one dude just constantly robbing him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's another real moment in this. That's right. Yeah, because like Tyrone basically catches him and then the cops show up and they try to arrest Tyrone. And he's like, ain't that some bullshit or something like that? You know, he's like, this always fucking happens. 
Yeah, he so what happens is Albert gets robbed. Uh, so Tyrone and Albert went out for the night and, you know, we had a, a crazy experience where he wanted to become what was it? A, a psycho blood brother? Yeah, a, a real cabbie. Yeah. And like they, you know, are on the track playing chicken with a train, which I think is absolutely insane. How they do it is insane. They said, you'll you'll hear it eventually. And I was like, you see train lights forever away. And then all of a sudden yeah. it was only 100 feet in front of him. Well, not to mention he got somehow stuck on the tracks, which I didn't quite get. But then they they made a little bit more sense of it because he was on the second track and his wheel got caught between it. But anyway, uh, they get back and the guy who had been robbing Miss Floyd this entire time tried to rob him and he said, you know, fuck you. And Tyrone, by the way, was yelling the right things like just give him the money ain't worth it. And he's like, oh, fuck that. I got balls. And he just hits the gas and goes straight to the D.C. cab company where he thinks the guy's going to get his ass kicked right when he stops there. And the cops are there and everything. But the robber gives Tyrone the gun. And then the cops immediately just start beating the shit out of Tyrone. Because he's a black guy in the backseat with a gun. Also, it was smart, too, because Tyrone's he's like, yeah, this is bullshit. This is what always happens. He goes. But I did. I was the black guy in the back seat with a gun. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you had a gun point. <laughs> but again, it's kind of like, a wow, this is supposed to be a funny comedy. This is some real shit. I like a little real shit sprinkled in my funny comedies. Yeah, it's like maybe I, I do like Tyrone. Maybe I shouldn't have been pointing the gun at him. <laughs> But I also think it sucks that he immediately got dragged out and beat the shit out of him. And then they just let the white guy go away. He's like, bye. But don't worry. Don't worry, everyone. Mr. T got him. And then I think Gloria punched him in the balls, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good for her. I don't even know where to go for. Oh, I guess I'll set up this whole. I, I think the biggest problem in this film, like not really latching on to core audiences, is probably because the the story is a little just convoluted and everywhere yeah and yeah because then they're in the they're in the um diner and albert's like leering awkwardly at claudette and she's just taking it all in she's loving it and she's just leering back at him you notice that like yeah that's just, the story i was gonna bring up he's just yeah. staring yeah. her down and she's just like most women would be like trust me i've, I've tried this and most women are like really weirded out by that but not, not claudette <laughs> and then that the aunt's like she's not or the grandma or whatever is like she ain't gonna date no cabbie she always has like a meat cleaver like in her hand and she's like candy ask permission and flowers and he finally does it and then claudette's only 17 when she sneaks out with oh she is i forgot about that yeah she's like we can't do anything i'm 18 next week yeah that's weird because how old is albert supposed to be he I'm looks young because like 19 20 21 but still i mean yeah when it's that age like i don't sit there and judge people like oh no 21 and 17 you're like meh but like if he would have been like 26 in the early 80s there were like yacht rock songs where guys were talking about like you know girls being only 16 and stuff so yep still creepy still against the law but (laughs) yeah (laughs) still creepy yeah there was a different i don't know what i don't know maybe it was the 90s i feel like people started to wake up to us like that's probably not appropriate yeah like at all when we watch movies this old yeah that's just things you have to 
take into consideration is like there's shit in it that you're not going to like currently. Yeah. 40, almost 40 years later. This is 40 yeah. years later. 40 years later. So yeah, standards are going to change. You know, people are mm-hmm. society's going to change in 40 years quite a bit, actually. Yeah. And that's a good thing that parts of it make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Part of it, you know, watching these movies from 40 years ago is just looking back and just how cringeworthy they are. Like Revenge of the Nerds. There's got to be at least like mm-hmm. 30 felonies. In yeah. That. Like, they should all be in jail. I love yeah. that movie. It was a great movie. But every time I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. This Ugh. is really bad. I, I do get that. I was like, there's there's films even from 20 years ago, I'm sure that are jokes that are really inappropriate and don't age well and all that yeah. stuff. Imagine after 9-11. Uh, yeah, I it, it's I, I didn't a lot of movies get tamer after 9-11, except uh, you, you had two directions. You had like going extreme yeah, or like really tame. Was- very yeah. common i i feel like 9-11 sucked because it made everything a little bit more extreme like the middle started to get like just kind of evaporated you're like you gotta be one or the other man yeah that's yeah. the only reason it sucked according to steven well i'm gonna get a pc oh movement. 9-11 yeah that's the only <laughs> well, one yeah. remember you had the first pc movement too and then there was a big backlash with that like in the mid-aughts at some point and then pc kind of made its comeback with you know what do we call it today? Wokeness and all that, which is now don't, people are coming at that hard. Don't use that term. It's not even what it is. I don't know. What it's an old term. Say. Look it up. It's got a whole lot of from the seventies and everything. Yeah, that was yeah, it was not but, the most appropriate usage of it. But yeah, yeah, I really wonder. Like, we'll always call it. You know, everyone's gonna we're gonna joke about it being called. Oh, you woke liberals and everything. Mm-hmm. But really, what it comes down to is like it feels like people being preached to and then other people saying fuck you i'll do what i want don't preach to me and i feel like there's a lot of us just like what are, what are we supposed to do just don't make a podcast <laughs> just don't be an asshole that's it yeah. like just don't be an asshole to people uh, yeah <laughs> unless you're talking like... about star wars yeah <laughs> then fuck star <laughs> unless it's good but the rest of our bad. podcast where three grown men talk about star wars and complain about star wars Yep, that's uh, pretty much it. That's our that's commercial. The only reason we do this is so we can talk to uh, talk about Star Wars. Well, yeah, we're just talking about other movies so we can eventually get back to whatever nerddom we want, mostly Star Wars. Uh, uh, yeah, so the the third act of this, where so they did introduce the kids that get kidnapped later on, uh, earlier because Tyrone always gives two nuns. I think they were two, nuns. Two maids. Two maids. That's it. And he's trying to date the younger one all the time. Yeah. Who ends up? Okay, I got to keep on it. So he he gives the two uh, maids rides, and he drops them off with I I see. Wasn't there one nun? Yeah, there's the nun taking a photo all the time, and the kids throw eggs at Tyrone's cab. So he's like, "Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out! Please, hurry!" (laughs) Yeah, those little kids throwing eggs is some bullshit. The older lady is always like, "My kids!" (laughs) And gives them hugs as they're chucking eggs. Yeah, and I guess Tyrone is Albert and Tyrone are together. And he stops and then they somehow take the kids, these kidnappers and Albert. Which like unifies the cabbies even more because they got to go save Albert because Albert would do it for them. Yeah, the nun was in on it, too. But that was. Yeah, that was after Tyrone left. And he got back because that one lady, uh, Irene Cara, I don't remember what her significance was in this. Uh, She plays herself. 
So I think she's a movie star. Yeah, this is before my time. I, she's a singer, apparently, because she said she was putting on a concert. And yeah. apparently her songs at the end during the parade, which wasn't yeah, and, the original ending. And she yeah, she's performing for the president or something. But something. so he he's selling shit on the side of the road, dressed up as like Uncle Sam. It's a great scene. Yeah. Yeah. And then he sees her and he's like, ah, I mean, this is my cab. I don't think he steal just a cab. steals the cab. Yeah. Was this after, before or after Mr. T and the rest of the guys steal the Emerald cabs too? They just like take them. They steal them to rescue Albert later. Because they got all their cabs impounded. It gets convoluted and hard to follow. And they break in and bust their cabs out. Well, hey, we need to use your cab. And they just beat the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, the Emerald Cab Company is so weird, too. Like, they're, I, I guess they're just, there's only two cab companies in this movie because they could only afford probably to dress, you know, a bunch of vehicles up in two different sprays. Like, one solid green and one solid, like, yellow gold. <laughs> yeah, they're two guys. Like, there were two Emerald guys. Those were both, like, they were great, like, kind of asshole, like, almost like an Anchorman-esque, like, kind of, you know rival news team with those two guys mm -hmm. yeah that's exactly what this movie reminds me of sometimes but nobody like got the... killed with the trident <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah so they they end up taking the emerald cabs they go to save tyrone in a pretty crazy chase scene with like people shooting at each other and everything and uh they did I... set up that albert wore his dad's boots but his dad's boots were too big so he stuffed them and while uh, Tyrone is driving the cab, Albert, you know, is like holding on, you know, like a movie we've had, like Speed has done this, like where someone's yeah. holding on yeah, to the Mitt vehicle next to Speed his, one. Grabs him and the, the kidnappers still have his feet. Tell me you're wearing your dad's boots. What? Tell me you're wearing your dad's boots. And he just turns really hard and his boots come right off. I think the van wrecks, right? Yeah, it goes to the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Re yeah. The real Pee Wee, Pee Wee Herman moment. Yeah, I wrote before that to the kidnappers clearly not doing human trafficking very well. No, they're terrible at this job. They just argue the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Then when they were like, they were like uh, tapping the guy's phone or recording the guy's incoming calls, and the one is like, "Hey, stud, hey, sweet, <laughs> you able to talk? <laughs> no, wrong number." <laughs> yeah, what was he? By the way, was he like a statesman? Must have been the Canadian ambassador. Yeah, he's an ambassador. That's what I'm. Canadian bastard getting a little freaky. Yeah, yeah, those guys tend to. Do it, I love his wife too. She's she like, did. "Go ahead, Stub Muffin. Why don't you answer?" <laughs> yeah, it's good. There's a lot of good parts in this movie. I know this is. When we get to recommendations, I'll say everything. But this is surprisingly got a good hook for something that kind of is just convoluted at times, uh, wacky. Kind of makes no sense at certain times but kind of like turns back into itself like it's you can definitely tell that this was written directed by a young talented director at the time writer and, director and cocaine yeah that too yeah. i mean i can't even imagine what gary Busey was doing on set he looks bloated <laughs> like he's just doing coke <laughs> running out of coke like and then stuffing himself full of food around 7 a.m. and then sleeping and then waking up on set and like arriving at 2 p.m. and doing the same thing over and over. So they go to the diner a lot and then there's another restaurant they've stopped and I bet Busey was actually eating at all of them. Yeah. <laughs> this is before. See, he had such a strange thing because he was so thin 
and everything and Buddy Holly. And if anyone has never watched Buddy Holly, that is truly where Gary Busey, he is such an actual good actor. Like he was dedicated to his craft, singing the songs. He sings a song on the soundtrack for this. Did you guys see that on any of the trivia? Why, baby, why? Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad that, okay, so there is two parts of this, the Gary Busey story. It's sad that he kind of let drugs and alcohol kind of like divert him into something. But at the same time, he is the character that we all love. So I'm like, oh, dude, I mean, we can't change him. We might as well just enjoy the insanity on film. But I also feel like he would be a fucking awful person to hang out with. Like you could only hang out with him for a few hours. Ah, uh, I give it a few days in a row. It's called a bender. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he, I think he's the kind of guy that he doesn't understand his volume. You know what I mean? He's riding high at 11 and 12, and that's fun for a while. But you're like, dude, do you ever just like sit down and I don't know, like watch Netflix? No, <laughs> I don't think that's one of the reasons he's so successful. I think he just is so eccentric. Yeah, I I, th- I feel like a lot of these guys that are highly entertaining, like Jim Carrey uh, and stuff like that, just kind of don't know when to turn it off. They only know two volumes, you know, like 10 or zero. Yeah. 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 They're so. both. They're all insane outside of they have acting. to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that uh, they, they end up saving Albert and then DC throws a parade for them, which I was a little confused about why they got a parade, but I don't really care. Then because they saved the ambassador's kids, I'm assuming. I don't know. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Know. It's that that's ticker right. tape parade. It's a cool scene. Yeah, it was fun. Like yeah. It. I was reading that that was not the original. They have a they had another shot ending, but it didn't test well because it was just the singer at the uh, White House. And they're like, yeah, people didn't like it. So they just brought back all the actors to do a parade at the end, which sounds fun. And that's why the barbarian twins don't have uh, beards anymore. Makes sense why you brought up that they had beards. Yep. But they looked good with beards, right? Like. Those are some manly men with beards. They want to watch more of them. I do. I do. Shirtless fighting with swords with beards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think nowadays they would have kept the beard. I bet back in the 80s, you know, their agents are like, got to shave the beards. People got to see your face. Yeah. Yeah. All three of us have facial hair right now. We're not we're not manly, man. Yeah, I'm, not going, I'm not going. I'm not going for any look here. I'm just too lazy to shave. My daughter's already told me she's like, you need to shave, dad. Yeah, you need to get a job and pay for your own groceries, kid. How about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shoot it right back at her. Well, let's go watch My Little Pony next. Um, let's see here. I think that's. I think we can move on to some of the trivia. I oh, saw the post, Jim the post credit scene. The post credit scene too, where it's like, oh yeah, uh, go ahead and explain the, that. To everyone. The Angel of Death walks into Tyrone's cab. He's like, "I'm the Angel of Death. Take me to hell." And Tyrone's like, "Got any luggage?" <laughs> <laughs> that was strange, right? Like, because you don't. I get. I. I always like. Post credit scenes to me didn't start happening until the late eighties, but I, you know, hey, this is eighty three, we had one. But uh, some of the trivia that I noticed was that uh, I said the original scene, the the last scene was recut and everything, and Jim Carrey was <laughs> tried out for this movie. How old did he have to be in nineteen eighty three? He had to barely be legal enough to work. 
And on Rubber Neck came out around the same time, I think. Did it? Yeah, I think it yeah. would have been about 20 or 21 or something like that. Yeah, and I I guess Jerry Bruckheimer said he was too talented to be in an ensemble film. That's why he didn't pick him. I don't believe that. Uh, I think he already had Gary Busey and so and Tyrone and like too many extreme characters. You know, it's just like. Or or maybe he just didn't. Maybe he was more like uh, what's his name from Saturday Night Live and just like this is not the type of comedy I want in this comedy. Yeah. Uh, or, what am I th- or, or he wasn't lying and didn't want Jim Carrey stealing every scene he was in. Yeah. I mean, that too. Busey's insane, but I don't think. Busey is young Jim Carrey level. No. I I think, yeah, Busey's got just like the young kid who just discovered alcohol kind of energy. He's like, this is amazing. Crazy friend that jumps off roofs and yeah, like r- puts holes in walls with his body. <laughs> like <laughs> He's got a scene in the movie where Albert looks at him and he's on the floor of the bathroom. And he goes, you okay, bud? And he goes, yeah, just doing some toilet yoga or something. I don't know. I thought he said know. stretching my back. That, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> I don't know what just I was. laying on the floor. It's everywhere. Just... Dell, Dell, you okay? Never better. Just doing some intestinal yoga. <laughs> this huge smile. And I'm like, I don't think that was written in the script at all. I just think Gary Busey is like, wouldn't it be funny if I was just laying on the bathroom floor of this disgusting cab service? And they're like, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, let's shoot. Let's try it. And then they just kept it because they're like, that's some weird shit right there. It's kind of funny, kind of weird. And then like, I, I love how he just he like when they're outside of the male strip club, he's just like, this is the best place to get them. You know, they come all hot and bothered out of here and they all just start dancing on top of the cars. And he hops down. And he's just like, hey, ladies, I'll take you, you and you. And he puts him in the car. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I don't know. I got that scene. That was so, that was insane. I know. And then they just leave Albert there. <laughs> I'm like, you can't take the kid in the trunk or something. You just leave him in the middle of nowhere. I think Albert was left in the middle of nowhere like three times in this film. It's, yeah, he got hazed. Yeah, so it's just like poor kid. And he's the one who ends up saving the tag, you know, the taxi company. But I don't think he's mad about it at all. He never really seems mad. He does pretty... get mad once in the movie. That's about it. But that was at Tyrone, right? For not yeah. for like not for leaving the cab company and well, at the airport. They get in that argument. Oh, yeah. And he, he kicks pulls him out off the, the wig and everything. Yeah. Yeah, he pulls him. Yeah. And then he leaves him at the airport, and makes him walk home. And then, you know, like I should probably pick him up. That's not right. I guess we'll move on to recommendations. Unless you guys got any more trivia you want to talk about? Well, we got uh, Giorgio Moroder did the music. He was in. Uh, you ever watched the Yacht Rock series on uh, on the internets, on the YouTubes and stuff like that? No, but you've talked about this before. He's like a character in the last episode, episode 12, where they commandeer the Millennium Falcon and Loggins and McDonald take out the uh, take out the evil executives and Hall and Oates and it's basically like Hall and Oates versus Loggins and McDonald like the whole series like what are you talking about oh it's great yeah, Star Wars <laughs> yeah they, they bring, incorporate Star Wars and their Dan Aykroyd 
yeah, it's you great. gotta you gotta send me this or something. I'll send you guys. No, no, when was this made, by the way? Oh, I think the last episode was like 2012, so it was like early 2000s ish. What is it called? Yacht Rock. It's just called Yacht Rock. Yeah, <laughs> it makes me think of. I used to watch this series where there was a janitor on the Death Star, pretty much. Oh, it's not and like it that. Just, no, it's like it's just a yeah. kind of massive behind, just kind of fake behind the scenes or or real behind the scenes stories behind all these famous yacht rock songs from the eighties okay. and seventies. We've already talked about Gary yeah. Busey. Um, I think one of the one of the um, reviewers called this movie "Revenge of the Nerds with Taxis." I could see that. Yeah, less rape though. True. Yeah, and Mr. T is always wearing a weight belt for some reason because you never know when he's gonna have to kick ass. He's got to get that back support, man. Yeah, I know. He's never want to damage that. Uh, I yeah, he he just I just love uh, that one time. He's like, you leave my niece alone. You hear me? And then he yeah, he got his car all spiffy so that people like his car more than the fancy yeah. car. He's he's a fun character. This uh, So we'll move on to the recommendations. Uh, Chris, I'll let you go first. Do you recommend DC Cab? Yeah, it very much. It is a blast. Watch it with friends, always. Yeah, if you can. Uh, Brad, how about you? Since I don't have any friends, I watched it alone. I still had a great time. I loved it, actually. <laughs> the movie was, well, I loved it. This is a 100-minute cocaine commercial. <laughs> yeah, I liked it, too. I, I do. The, the funniest part was, so Sarah came downstairs in my man cave here, and she came in, of course, on the boob part. And uh, luckily, she missed the hard R, which I completely eradicated from my brain. So you guys told me about it again. But anyway, she walks in. She goes, what are you watching? And I'm like, I don't know. It's about cabs. And here's a lot of boobs. And she looks right at it. She's just like, those are a lot of really nice boobs. And I'm like, right? Like, (laughs) these are some good 80s boobs, except the main one, which had like ridiculously fake ones. And uh, I feel like there's there's a lot of people out there that would just pick the fake ones. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know. There's some people that really like those fake boobs. It's a trillion dollar industry, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. And uh, she walked away as she like ran out onto the street full bush. And I'm like, oh, you don't want to stay much. <laughs> uh, bush is making a comeback, my friends. About damn time. Yeah. What are you talking about, Chris? Bush everywhere. <laughs> I don't want it in my White House. <laughs> he threw out the first pitch of the World Series, baby. Did he? Or James Wiley did it? Democrats put on your earphones and everything like that. But uh, I mean, when they're talking to him in the interviews, George Bush just seems like a fucking blast to hang out with. He's just like, I'm here at the World Series having some fun. Going to throw out the first pitch. And the guy was just like, you're going to throw it from the mound? He's like, nah, I can't make that anymore. He's like, I could when I was president, though. And that's all that matters. <laughs> now, he's like, the, he's the only, I think he used to be one of the owners of the Rangers. I think he did, too. And then he had to sell it become, because he started running for politics or some shit. Yeah. That was Which, back in the day when politicians sort of kind of followed the rules in public. He, As far as I know, he never wanted to run for politics. He was forced. I believe he was a patsy in the long run, but. Yeah. probably i mean yeah. I, he was probably He's, doesn't seem like the brightest person back in the day he was probably controlled by some serious deep state people like the whole shadow figures and everything it was probably more just controlling him he's like i gotta do what now oh i don't want to run for president but your dad says you have to 
I just want to play. I just want to watch baseball. I mean, yeah, he's charismatic and really dumb. He seems easy to control, but he also seems like a blast to party with. <laughs> See, sometimes you like some uh, serious content in your comedy. That's right. Here we go. Yeah. Let's get this fucking train back on the tracks. Let's go on the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and bring something back to our random 80s comedies wing of the museum. I don't know what this is. Our viewer submitted wing. There you go. That's why Chris is on here. The, the viewer I got fired submitted last wing. Week, but I'm back. Viewer submitted wing of the museum and we will never fire you again until you screw up Star Wars again. Yeah, you got to edit too much. That's true. All right, Brad, I'll let you go first. What do you got? This face leaves in five minutes. You better be on it. Damn it. Are you putting a Gary Busey quote in there, too? <laughs> Busey's in a movie. There's going to be a quotable quote in there. I, I I was worried because I put my quote in the notes. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, let me see if I can. I'll OK. I'll read everyone mine, but I'll let you go first, Chris. I'll just uh, take Tyrone. It's a good one. Uh, mine is when uh, Gary Busey's like, ah. Damn it. I don't know why these women are so uptight. They have half the money and all the pussy. Was, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my this God. Is, dude, this, this shit's good. You just got to you got to take all this with a grain of salt. Yeah, I was like, that's that is that is like a straight up racist uncle type joke. No, I mean, obviously sexist, but, you know, um. Just that uncle back in the day that everyone would talk about that we all had. I had that uncle <laughs> who inappropriate alcoholic uncle right there. Yeah, yeah, uh, drives up in a Firebird. <laughs> mine was in a giant truck uh, with beer cans in the back. I mean, I know my buddies had an uncle like that too. He'd come out. We would be like, you know, fifteen years old and everything, and he'd just pull up and be like, "Hey, you guys, getting any pussy lately?" <laughs> <laughs> That's how it was. He's telling us about like all of his conquests and everything. He's bragging to us. He's like, "Yeah, I went down there and." did all this stuff with this girl and it's like okay yeah. like 30 year old dude bragging to 15 yeah, year olds my son has a quote-unquote uncle that way and so I, I have to yell at him sometimes i was like shut the fuck up what is wrong with you <laughs> he's gonna repeat that he's fine put hair on his nuts no well maybe but no stop it <laughs> shut the fuck up he's still my sweet little boy Oh, that's funny. Uh, my other one was possibly it was going to be like the big fear. I, I do like that whole thing. Isn't it weird looking at Bill Maher like super young being a film? Yeah, it took me a minute to realize I knew who he was, but I was like, well, who is that? Yeah, he does not look anything like him. No, I do think it's funny. The first time I've seen him in a film when he's really young, it's somehow politically linked. Like that's nuts. Yeah. He can't separate himself from it. No. Yeah, this is a good film. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I don't know if it's quote unquote, you know, like structured well good, but it's entertaining. I would say yeah. this is a more entertaining film than good. Would you guys agree? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, it's got a critic rating real low. Fans are 50%, but you know, I like it. 
I agree more with the audience. I think this is like a 50%. This is a half and half. I, I think some people wouldn't appreciate the comedy. Some people might not like it. But I think there's a good chunk of us who are just like, nah, I get it. Have you ever watched some of these with your wives and they look at you for a sec and you're like, oh, 83. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I've. I wasn't born yet. But you know what? I walk upstairs and she's watching like Love is Blind and watching these things. And I look at her and I'm like, these people are so fake. And then I give her that look. And she's like, I know, but it's fun. I'm like, I get why you watch that trashy shit. I watch that trashy shit. It's just on different formats. Yeah. You know, I'd say the, the over the top level, like the characters in this movie were over the top. So many were, were so over the top. And that was like, and just the energy level. It was crazy. The, I think what this has underneath all of it, there's some type of like, they all mean well. Even though there's, well, maybe not Gary Busey's character, but the rest of them all mean well. You know what I mean? They might make a racist joke. I thought they, he loved Albert and like wanted him to do good and was very supportive of Albert the whole time. Busey was. He is. He is. But I'm just saying like, I guess he kind of is. I see what you're saying. Yeah, he's that forever single party uncle that really loves his nephew and wants to make sure he does good. Yeah, I think he's the kind of guy who just says things to get like a reaction out of people. And then sometimes it just goes way too far. Probably like the real Gary Busey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? We're just like, hey, Gary, mm, let's not say that again. Oh, really? Is that bad? <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. It's really offensive, like awful. Like you should be canceled for that. It's like, oh, my bad. <laughs> I'm going to get drunk and forget I said that and then do it again. I'm going to give him a gift like a like a tortoise. No one wants a fucking tortoise, Gary. Really? They've lived to 100. They're like, they're great. Like, I feel like that's the type of gifts he would give to people. Your children can ride them. Yeah. They bring luck. They have a lot of symbolism and you start just mumbling a bunch of bullshit. And you'd be like, don't give him a fucking tortoise. Just go yeah. apologize. He's so bad that that buttered sausage thing was a, a deep fake that some comedian yeah. made. And everybody was like, yeah, that's busy. I haven't heard from him in years, but I mean, this makes sense. It was really funny because my friend Terry sent that and I'm like, that looks fake. But he's like, is it? Uh, well, no, maybe it wasn't Terry, but whatever. Terry listens to this, so he'll let me know. But someone sent it and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's fake. But then there was a part of me is just like, but is it? <laughs> I didn't question it a bit. I was like, he looks weird. But I mean, that's normal. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, we'll be back next week with another listener submitted month. Uh, it's actually another comedy, uh, a film that we have had requested a lot. And I have always refused to do it. But I, I gave in. And there was definitely some fear. Uh, because I thought it was too funny. Yeah, it's a solid, solid. How do you talk about something that good? Yeah. So uh, we'll see how terrible it is uh, coming out of our mouths, because I'm pretty sure I'm just going to be laughing the whole time talking about this film. So come back next week and remember to be kind. And rewind. rewind. You know, sometimes the audio matches us up when sometimes, I, yeah. when I cut the silence out and shit. So, Brad, just just fucking do it. All right.